Raging rivers, hungry bears, drastic avalanches, roaring seas. No matter how prepared you are, a walk in the woods can go from innocent to disastrous in the blink of an eye. When pushed to their breaking point, humans are capable of astonishing things, things they would have never thought possible. This is In the Wild. Have you ever dreamt of getting away from it all? Off the grid? Moving to a new place away from civilization, in peace and quiet? For many, their idea of being off the grid is similar to how Governor Jesse Ventura lives half the year. When he's not in his home state of Minnesota, he splits his time at his home in Baja, Mexico, an hour away from the nearest stores and neighborhoods. It is an absolutely astounding beach view and is completely solar-powered. Although he has a TV to watch movies with his wife, he doesn't subscribe to any cable service. He doesn't get cell reception, but it's not a major issue since he is able to get on Zoom or Skype. Beyond that, though, he has most of the amenities we enjoy. Hot and cold water, bathrooms, showers, a stove, washer and dryer, and everything else. The former Minnesota governor is very serious in his beliefs, even stating in an interview from 2015 that he likes to be away from the government's drones that can be used to kill. However, a quick internet search courtesy of Google Earth will give you a pretty nice aerial view of where Governor Ventura spends six months a year. If you enjoy your beach time, chances are you might be a little envious when you see it. For 31-year-old Tyson Steele, however, off the grid has a whole other meaning. And outside of the hardcore survivalist, it isn't quite as appealing. In 2020, Tyson was living in the Matanuska Susitna borough of Alaska, where he inhabited doesn't have a name since he's the only person in the area. But it is 20 miles from a little town called Squenta. Little is an understatement, in fact with a population of 37 people total. Squenta is a checkpoint on the famous Iditarod dog trail. But that's about the only notable mention about this town. If you wanted to visit the home Steele was in, it's only accessible via ski plane. Furthermore, the environment is so harsh most of the year that it's oftentimes not accessible at all. Its frozen or partially frozen lakes, depending on the season, can damage a plane from landing oftentimes, so it's not improbable to be truly stuck there. This is a scary proposition, especially considering the plane to get there can only hold so much gear. So if you run out of the food you brought, you're in trouble. There are no phone lines, and there's not even a bathroom, only an outhouse. If you want to cook, you need to start a fire the old-fashioned way. The only contact with the outside world is through a slow internet connection. Not quite as sexy of a proposition as the house on the beach Governor Bantura enjoys, is it? So what sparked the desire for such an unorthodox way of living? Tyson grew up in a small town in Utah, and he learned a lot about the great outdoors with skills like fishing. He cherishes his upbringing there, but he says it lost its appeal for him at a certain point. So he made a change at one time 
and went to Salt Lake City to immerse himself in a new career. He wrote marketing for banking software, and shortly in, he knew it was not for him. He dreaded going to his cubicle every day and longed for freedom more than ever before. And after a year in, he quit. After graduating from college, then receiving his master's degree in English, he adopted a nomadic lifestyle. His travels brought him to Mexico and even to the Far East in China, where he became a teacher for a brief stint. He wound up back in Utah at one point, but away from the populace there, living in a shipping container in Escalante and becoming self-sustaining by growing his own food. In order to bring in income, for four months out of the year, he'd go to Juneau, Alaska and work as a dockhand. The job involves filleting, processing, freezing, packaging, and shipping fish. Upwards of 20,000 pounds of fish during those summer months. For most, four months of work wouldn't enable them to live a comfortable life year-round, and certainly wouldn't generate the revenue or credit necessary to own property. For someone like Steele, though, his lifestyle is so minimalist that money can stretch far further than one would imagine. These summer work trips to the region sparked his curiosity. He would seek out isolated areas and start to research how much it would cost to buy a remote piece of property in the state away from everyone and with only the most basic of survival needs. His search brought him to cross paths in 2018 with a Vietnam veteran and former gunner, Mike Loeffler. Loeffler was about as true of a survivalist as one could imagine. For over 20 years, he lived entirely alone and in the cold, exactly as he intended. He grew food and tons of tobacco. By 2019, though, Loeffler had grown old and was dying of stomach cancer. Through his friendship with Steele, he knew the young man had a soft spot for his bare-bones home in the Alaska wilderness that most wouldn't want to live more than a couple of days in. Tyson loved the idea of having all of these acres of property truly to himself. So before the elderly man drifted off, he sold the property to Tyson for a low amount, knowing he would take good care of it and preserve what he created. Shortly after, Tyson would move into the place with his dog, Phil. He'd hire a private pilot to fly him out, and also stay in touch if he needed to leave, knowing that the pilot was his only way out. As mentioned before, that would only pertain to months where flying to and from the region was even possible under the brutal weather conditions. The pilot would also drop off canned foods whenever Tyson would run out of them. And by drop off, he'd literally drop them out of the plane in months where it was unsafe to land. Steele's only major contact with the outside world besides his pilot was the occasional text with family members. He'd usually text them weekly or every other week to let them know he was safe. One night after one of those occasional texts, however, he was not. In order to keep warm, Tyson would often chop logs to put in the wood stove. That wood stove, however, Tyson recalls as oftentimes being problematic. It was old and would cause him a lot of issues. One night, he made a deadly mistake. He put a piece of cardboard into the stove, didn't think much of it, and went to sleep. He awoke to a terrifying scene. 
The cardboard set ablaze went up the chimney and onto the poorly built plastic roof. A bright hole of fire was now in the ceiling above him. Fire shot down from it like little asteroids. The attic stored much of his food and he noticed some of that canned food shooting down with the fire. His dog, Phil, laid down in the corner, afraid. Phil, we have to go, he shouted as he grabbed what little he could from the structure burning faster than he could ever imagine. He grabbed all the canned food left, and with the thoughts of predators that could inhabit the area and kill him and Phil, he grabbed his rifle as well. The fire scorched on as the propane tank in the attic made matters worse, along with vegetable oils up there he had for cooking. The snow was up to his waist as he escaped the blades, and as he tried to navigate the situation, he re-injured a torn MCL from the year prior. Limping around, he survived the fire, but he realized he had failed Phil as he heard his crying howl from inside what was left of the home. The dog sounded understandably terrified, but the fire was too great to go in and save it. Feeling he had no other choice, he used his rifle to shoot the room the dog was in, believing he'd put him out of the misery of burning alive. He imagined maybe he'd use the last bullet on himself after the horrific ordeal, but instead fired it into the house one last time. But the howls persisted. He missed every shot, and his rifle to fend himself from wild animals was now useless with no ammunition. He couldn't feel more crushed, and his companion was now gone. As more of the home vanished, he heard the ear-piercing pop of the 500 rounds of ammunition he had stored inside. All that was now left were 60 cans of barely edible food. Labels burnt off and cans charred black from the fire. His phone was gone and so was his Garmin inReach used to ping his pilot. He shoveled as much snow as he could to form a makeshift igloo. It would be impossible to travel miles to find the nearest person. He had no maps and with the snow feet high, it would be impossible to decipher where the frozen lakes were that he could possibly fall through. His now retorn MCL made matters worse, so all he could do was stay put. It didn't help that he just reached his family the night before, and the oftentimes out-of-touch nomad would sometimes go a month not being in touch with his family. As for his pilot, he didn't have a shipment coming until the next season. He realized it could be a month before anyone even searched for him. So he split up the canned foods, rationing two for each day, and with the labels burnt off, he had no idea what was in each. Unfortunately, some of these turned out to be nothing more than condiments, so there was not much nourishment to stay alive. Tyson wrote a giant SOS in the snow, but it was destroyed by a moose, so he had to do it over. He also marked where a ski plane could land, hoping someone above would see it, since most of the area was too narrow to safely touch down. The days progressed as his body deteriorated. One day, though, he thought he was saved. He heard the sound of planes above, 
and with the adrenaline in his system, jumped and waved his arms. He yelled for help. It was two fighter jets practicing stunning maneuvers from high above. At 10,000 feet, though, he was merely a speck of dust, and the aircrafts continued on. Meanwhile, in Utah, his parents were worried. Knowing Tyson, though, and his skills for survival, they more than likely thought a charger had broke, and that was why they hadn't heard from him in weeks. They contacted his pilot to get him one, but he was unavailable to do so. Worried himself, the pilot got in touch with state troopers to see what was going on. After 23 long days, Tyson Steele was found by those state troopers, living over three long weeks in an igloo in well below freezing temperatures. As they hovered above and got him, one of them asked, Are you okay? Tyson chuckled. I can walk, right? The irony was that one of the things that drove Tyson to living such a secluded way was hating to feel like an inconvenience to anyone. And he realized going missing was just that, to his family and now the authorities. As he flew with them to the nearest hospital, he had mixed feelings. Gratitude, of course, for being saved, but an emptiness at the death of his dog, Phil, and the feeling of letting down Mike, who sold him the property. Mike had been there 20 years, and Phil only a couple of months before things went terribly wrong. His first request as he settled down, a sausage egg McMuffin and a coffee from McDonald's. Nothing had ever tasted so good. It's been over a year now, and Tyson hopes to find somewhere else to live on his own. But with the valuable lessons learned from the horrible experience in mind, he maintains a YouTube channel called Alone in Alaska and can be found on Instagram at Homestead Alaska. He hopes to write a memoir someday. His top survival tools for anyone who finds themselves in a survival scenario are a good knife, a Mylar sleeping bag, and a Garmin inReach the last of which he realizes would have saved him had it have not melted in the blaze. When explaining what drives him to such an unfathomable way of living in a recent interview with former CNN reporter Allison Morrow, he paraphrases some of Robert Frost's famous The Road Not Taken poem. He edits that, though, in saying that he personally longs for a road never taken. Thank you for tuning in to another exciting installment of In the Wild. To hear more captivating stories of real-life survival, hit the subscribe button wherever you're listening and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Stay prepared, because you never know when you may find yourself in the wild.